This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. All right, we're live. Welcome back, guys, to the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Appreciate you joining me as always. We're going to jump right into it because I'm lucky to be with my buddy, Range Master Dan Bernard, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, entered the Range Master program, relatively a new Range Master as Range Masters go. And he's been on the on the show before, but uh, he was out here at the range today doing a little shooting and goofing off. And we thought we'd take an opportunity to throw a, a podcast together. I've pimped it a couple of times in various matches when we were together, but we've come to the conclusion that when he's range mastering and I'm match directing for a, a major match all weekend long, we don't have time to, to take 30 minutes and sit down and, and BS. So what up, Dan? Welcome. Thanks. Um, I'm honored to be here and surprised that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. Hmm. We'll jump right into it. A couple of things came off a, a Facebook thread I had a while back. Uh, a couple of things have been emailed, various questions, a couple of things we made up. And then uh, there was a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. So we'll jump right into it with, uh, we, we covered this a little bit last time, but why in the heck would you want to be a range master? Um, so the truth is, like like all the, the match staff, we're, we're self-officiating. And, and you know this, that, that you end up, you end up taking the timer if you if you shoot matches, or most people do. And uh, in my case, um, taking the timer is one thing, and then running some matches, and then running as a match director a couple of uh, state match, IDPA matches, and then it's sort of a, a natural progression of things. But candidly, uh, and not meaning to be harsh, some of it is is seeing it being done uh, by other people and thinking maybe I could do that as well or better. And then the other is... Uh, the pressure that was put on me by people like you and Dave Jenkins to say, uh-huh. hey, uh, why don't you go in this program so that we can have a range master that, uh, that we can work with. And I think a lot of it too, is you have the propensity to, to do it. I, I talked about this and I think it was a podcast recently, or maybe it was just talking to somebody, but there's this, those, those types of people that, that get involved. And that's how I got into into match directoring, the exact same scenario of just going to local matches <clears throat> thinking these stages suck and I'm tired of shooting these lazy ass shitty stages, but I'm not really the type of guy to sit back and bitch about something. I jump in and, and make it better. So show to show up early the next the next month and, and put a good stage together and the next month you're doing two and the next month you're doing four and that's just kinda how it works. And I think that's the case for anybody in our sport. You know, it is a volunteer sport. And there's those people that want to get involved and do more, and, and that's what makes it tick. Uh, last last year, Optics Nats? Yeah. yeah. Last year. So last year, you were range master for a national championship. Uh, here at the, at the Optics Nationals, how was that uh, experience working the working the big show? It was, it was kind of weird. I, I volunteered to work at his RM when, when they, they did the staff applications, the, you know, a little checkbox thing. You don't want to work as an RO. You want to be a CRO. They had the box check for RM, so I checked that. And that was right after I got certified as a range master. And so I was kind of surprised when Troy and company said, yeah, uh, you'll be you'll be one of the zone RMs. And I was like, okay, that, that's good. Uh, it was interesting um, that working, the, working the nationals as an RM, uh, 
there is a lot of nuances like you like you know for for the nationals there's a there's different strata of uh of shooters and staff in terms of levels of knowledge and attitudes of entitlement or wherever the right way to put that is <laughs> um so yeah working the nationals i thought was a was an awesome experience especially because I, uh, I worked with Troy and, and, and Ray and Hurst, so I was able to, you know, kind of kind of see other people doing it. And I was the, the new guy, so I had to run up and down the road more often than those guys did. But at the same time, there were times when I could bounce stuff off of them and say, hey, this is this is what I ruled. What do you think? And, they're, they, you know, fortunately, they didn't say I was an idiot. They said, yeah, that was, that's how I would have ruled or I would have been less nice or in some odd Rare cases, they said they would have been more nice than me, but uh, uh, occasionally. No weird instances? We didn't have any arbitrations or anything weird, do we? I don't want to say out loud, but uh, I've, I've never had an arbitration when I was a range master. Uh, you don't probably, know. probably curse myself by saying that. My, my limited arbitration experience was as a witness when uh, uh, <laughs> Area 6. You can went, tell the story. That's it funny. was pretty funny. So it was a bad call. RM came. Supported the bad call, bumping a guy to open. In fact, they changed the rule after this. And uh, so the shooter was on our squad, and and he's a nice guy, but he was like, okay, I'll take the bump to open from production. And and, uh, and we were like, no, no, don't do that. You, this is a bad call, and the, the, the RM shouldn't have supported that call. Arbitrate it, arbitrate it. In fact, uh, our, our fellow uh, muckracker, uh, David Jenkins pulled a hundred dollar bill out of his wallet and said, I'll front you the money because I know you're going to win. And uh, so I got called as a witness to the arbitration and I was a fairly new CRO at the time. And I was very clear in my instructions. And I, you know, when the, when the arbitration committee came to me as a witness, I, I said specifically what I saw and what I heard the, the RO say and what I heard the range master say, what I saw the shooter do and why it was, I thought it was a bad call and guy shouldn't be bumped open. So they spent, you know, a good 20 minutes here in my long version of the right reason to not bump that guy to open. So they go to Shannon Smith and say, okay, Shannon, what's your, what's your view on this? His response was, I told him it was a bad call and he should arbitrate it. So uh, he said, okay, no more questions, Mr. Smith. So uh, I think I said it was a bullshit call. Yeah, it might have been that. <clears throat> it's an X-rated podcast. Uh, cool. So we'll jump into some of the more technical stuff. One of the questions that came on on Facebook was on video and the use or or lack thereof uh, in in RO calls, range master calls, arbitration calls, and uh, the use of video uh, review. The rules the rules changed recently. Uh, it, it was, which I don't even know if people knew this or not, but there there really was nothing banning uh, a range master from viewing video, as I understand it. Until semi recently, uh, there was there was a rule that 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 uh, that didn't that arbitration committees could not view video. Is that the way you understood the rule? That's awesome. Yourself? Listening to Shannon Smith talk about rules, but yeah, that's exactly correct. <laughs> the rule used to be you couldn't use video in arbitration, and it was clarified that you couldn't use video in making your decision or in arbitration. Yeah, and we had a couple of instances here. Typical Area Six driving the driving the train or doing something else with the train. And uh, what a range master did, it wasn't Dan, but a range master did use video to, to, uh, to reverse a couple of calls. And uh, in both, in at least the two cases that I, that I remember, it was a correct, you know, correct decision. I don't know if that's what drove the change or if it's just coincidence, but shortly thereafter, there was a ruling put out that, that video is not admissible at all, ever. 
Uh, so I'm going to get Dan's thoughts on this. So I'll, I'll sling mine out there first that I would like to see just the opposite of that. I would like to see arbitration to be able to use video, uh, but not the RO or the range master. I don't want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I can envision where that would bog down the system if you've got uh, me or some pro shooter with shooting USA and 15 cameras and a drone and a gun cam and all this stuff throwing video out there and he's wanting the range master to look at something for a foot over the line or a Charlie over a Delta or, or some, some, you know, inconsequential call. And with my match director hat on logistically, you know, we can't have, we can't have that bogging down the system. You got to keep the match moving. However, I do think and have felt that arbitration, this has been elevated to a, to a higher level because the shooter feels he was wronged or she was wronged. I think arbitration should be able to use any and all evidence in the history of the world to make their call. Anything they can get their hands on to assist in their call, I think they should be able to use. And uh, there's a high instance where the video could be inconclusive. We've all seen instant replay now in, in sports for many years. And you can watch the announcers and watch it yourself, and you can see it over and over and over again. You may change your mind once or twice throughout watching the different angles because sometimes it's just so damn close that you're not going to make the call. So uh, the NFL has the, uh, I forget what they what their verbiage is for them, but uh, up upheld or conclusive evidence or whatever. You know, in some cases, there wasn't enough evidence to reverse the call, so they leave it as is. In some cases, it confirms the call is correct. And in some cases, it was clear the call was incorrect. Yeah, so I would like to see, I would like to see it uh, be uh, useful, uh, arbitration be able to use it, but nobody else. Arbitration rules remain the same. You still got to front your hundy. So then at least there's some skin in the game and hopefully you would cut down on a million arbitrations for, for silly things. Uh, I could also see that re, uh, resulting in significantly more arbitrations than we have now. But I don't know that that's the, the end of the world. We want to get the calls as right as we can. Um, and, you know, if you're right, you get your hundred bucks back. And again, from logistically mass director side, I could see having to have additional staff for a match because you may have to have a dedicated arbitration committee. And that's not a, not a great thing, but it's, you know, something that could happen. Uh, and then my last thought on it is, and Dan and I talked about this prior, but uh, the videos are going to come out. You know, it's going to hit Facebook tomorrow or, or in the next 30 seconds and YouTube and whatever. And, you know, if somebody clearly makes a mistake and nobody's above making a mistake, I've probably made plenty today. Uh, I think it would be nice that that gets corrected at the match and that it doesn't come out on Tuesday that the range officer looks like an idiot for a, for a clear mistake that he just didn't catch. And those things happen. Nothing, nothing against them. Uh, if you're up on social media, you've seen instances of that happening many times. And it, I just don't think it looks great on anybody. Uh, so that's my thoughts on it. What say ye? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to. I'll try not to be too rambly or or dis uh, confused. But I'll start with saying, clearly, the the current situation at USPSA or with NROI, we're we're not using video, and that's that's the the way it is right now. I do not see that changing anytime soon. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to predict the future, but right now. We're not using video for arbitration. We're not using video for for making the call on the ground. And as you say, at the you know, I've I have been embarrassed by some of the stuff I've seen on on uh, on uh, social media because it's like, okay, yeah, clearly one of my ROs missed that, or clearly that was a call that 
was captured on camera that was a wrong call. You know, it's, it's awkward. Um, I, I think there might be room for a larger discussion about the you know, changing technology. I mean, one of the things you, you touched on is when you're running a match as the match director and the range master, um, you're, you're trying to do several things, right? You're trying to, you're trying to make sure that the, the, the shooter is well supported and has an opportunity to have a fair, uh, efficient, uh, fun, safe kind of, kind of event. So time is, time is critical. So one of the things I've been looking at the last few years is how much time are we losing while we wait for a guy to make ready by finding someone to take his iPhone and getting his hat cam working and all that other stuff. So that's the, a good point, actually. Tech, the technology is affecting the game, uh, whether you know whether we we see it or not. So so we're losing we're losing time already because uh, even if it's only ten or twenty seconds or thirty seconds per shooter, and it's not every shooter, it soon will be every shooter. The the, the GoPros are cheaper. There's more people. There's you know it's not just the master class shooters that are running uh, that are insisting on somebody videoing anymore. And that's a little bit of delay with each shooter. So instead of three three minute turnaround, I've got three minutes and twenty seconds. Not that big a deal, but it's a big deal. So so part of the logic, I think, from uh, NRI's perspective about not using cameras is is the time delay. And, that, and you and you, I think you, you said it well. Is we can't if I, when I'm range master and I am essentially cracking the whip on the CROs and the ROs on that stage to, to to have throughput. And if you're if your stage is a bottleneck. The RM is going to be looking at you and saying, "What's what's your problem?" Well, I keep looking at these videos, and and the and this one squad comes through, and they want us to video to look at the videos for every every shooter. You know, that's that's obviously not not technical. So, yeah, so that's that's not going to work. Um, the other thing, as 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 you touched on, is it it's so embarrassing or so awkward when you see it live on 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 YouTube that that okay, yeah, we missed that, or that guy should have got bumped open, and he didn't. But the current rules are we're not using it. And so it's interesting and, and irritating. And, and obviously the, the people that are going to stir it, the pot are going to stir the pot with, with posting videos that by rule don't have anything to do with the match that's four hours or four days over. Um, the other thing with, with the video is is the, the fairness of it. You know, you talked about professional sports and, and using uh, a video for, uh, for instant replay. Um, those are not cameras that are held by the, the crowd. Those are not cameras that are held by the fans. Uh, if we're going to use video, uh, we probably need to have a standard objective set match video. And, and that's not a, an expense that clubs are going to want to take on. Um, do we want to do that for the Nationals? I don't know. I, I, I just It seems like it, it's inherently unfair to say we're going to use video uh, if you've got them, knowing that Honestly, a lot of the guys are, that are going to get get screwed are by bad calls aren't going to be the GMs in the in the Masters because there's a an entourage and smart people advising them and saying don't take that or that's a bad call. Uh, it's going to be the the the, the C class shooter that doesn't have anybody videoing them that, that probably could use it. So it's 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 problematic. Um, especially, it's, I think it's especially problematic because of people that think that they need to go on the social media a week after the match and 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 do this I gotcha thing. But uh, yeah, that, ain't, that ain't gonna end though, you know. No, I, I know it's not gonna end. So so going back to your original question, if we said in arbitration, you could use any and all evidence available, and it's up to the arbitration committee to say, hey, you know, I don't 
I can't see anything from this video. You, your, your, your photographer was, you know, I, I could see that being a, a worthwhile discussion. I'm not, I'm not against the idea of it. And I don't think it goes as much against the ideas of fairness as, as using video for, uh, every call. But, uh, but as you said, it, and I probably stepped on it myself by saying, as a range master, I've never had, I've never, I've never been involved in an arbitration when I was a range master or a match director. Um, if you had, if you knew that you've got the winning video, and the only way it could be seen is if to throw your hundred dollars down, for sure, you're going to see a lot more uh, arbitrations if you've got video. And I can't remember if I thought of this before, or if I just came up with it right now, but maybe instead of having a dedicated arbitration committee, you have a dedicated video reviewer, you know, one guy, one senior-ish um, staff. So now you don't have to have a whole committee sitting there all day. You just got one dude and then maybe he could direct it to the range master. I'm just spitballing. But if he looks at it and says, oh yeah, shit, his foot was not out. You know, then he can call you and say, hey, come here and make a ruling on this. Here, here's This is worth looking at or something. I don't know. I, I think in, in a, having the knowledge of what you've got written down on that yellow piece of paper of what you're going to talk about, it, it goes to this other question of uh, uh, technology is advancing. Um, you've got uh, you've got UA or drone coverage of, of, of people shooting stages. You've got uh, electronic scoring. You've got a number of different uh, uh, new technologies that, that are going into a sport that's basically not a very technical sport. Um, it could be we have to revisit the video thing. Um, it could be that, that um, it's worth addressing as we go forward that just as 10 years ago, if you just said we were going to be scoring the nationals using uh, tablets, people would have said, no, nah, that those things will never fly or that's just a fad or, or, or we'll never trust that. Um, maybe maybe a few years from now, we're able to figure out a way to incorporate video. But but for sure, as a as a as a person that, you know, as a match director or a range master, we, when you're trying to make things go smoothly and efficiently. Um, the principle that, hey, we're self-officiating, there's there's ROs that are supposedly trained and qualified that they're making the best call they can, the fairest call they can based on what they see with their own eyes, uh, go with it. And sometimes it's going to go, uh, I mean, I, I just had a guy that I really trust and really likes at, at the statement say, I am 100% certain I didn't break the 180, but the CRO says I did, so I'll take it. But I, in my heart, I don't feel like I did, but, but I know how this game is played, and I know that's what the CRO says he saw, and I know you as a range master have to, go with what the CRO says he's 100% certain of. And it's it's sort of the, you know, the ironic uh, sadness of the game where we're dependent upon those those calls, but that's why we try to put as much time as we do into making sure we get good match officials. We need a pair of glasses with a camera in it for every range officer rolling a live feed back to Cedro Woolley and Troy can just sit there all day, all weekend long. Pretty sure he's not going to do multi-camera Woolley. On a multi-camera feed and watch every match going on. That's what we need. All right, so enough of that. No answer, but I tend to agree with Dan. The technology, you can't, you can't ignore it. It's coming. So those are my thoughts on it. And If you uh, have a feeling, send it up to your RD and her AD, and they'll, they'll get it up to the, the chain of command. So on that note, you mentioned it. The next topic was electronic scoring. The, uh, the question on Facebook was really vague. Talk about electronic scoring issues. 
I don't know that there are any specific issues that, that you and I want to bring up. Uh, I will hit that right now, again, back to the, the rules talk, as I love to do. Uh, right now, as it's written by rule, paper is the uh, standard, the right word, or priority, or um, I don't know what I'm looking for, but that's what you're, that, that's the precedence or that's the, the initial scoring that you go off of. So we, around here at least, we call it a paper backup. So we run, we run a, a paper backup summary of what comes off the tablets. And the tablets, you know, they, they take all the scores, they're, they're all compiled and synced and, and pushed up, and that's where our scoring process comes from. Uh, we do have a number of instances where we, we, we do need to go to the paper backup at the end of matches for, you know, this guy says, hey, I didn't have penalties on this stage, and they're showing up online. And we go look, and occasionally, occasionally it's different. You know, the paper's got something different where they fat-fingered something in the tablet or, you know, transcribed something wrong or whatever. You know, I'm kind of of the theory or of the of the thought that if, I, I mean, I hate paper backups, just to give you an answer. If the technology is not there, if the technology is not good enough that we still have to score on paper, then screw it. Let's just score on paper. Uh, I was, I was, I'm not a super Luddite. I'm kind of, technologically advanced, I think, but, you know, when, when tablets first came along, I was certainly resistant to trusting my matches to them. And they're not perfect. I mean, practice score is pretty good, but it's not perfect. Again, I think technology is going to get us there and is going to get us there sooner rather than later. Uh, before the world shoot was here, we had a company come in out of Spain. I forget the name of them. We call them the Wi-Fi guys because that's how they pronounce Wi-Fi. Uh, but their system was slick. You know, if you guys shot the Florida State or the Florida Open here in 13, uh, it was pretty badass. And the advantage of it was that everything was pushed immediately. So when you scored Alpha Charlie Enter, bam, that stuff was, was sent up uh, on the range Wi-Fi and synced in a couple of different spots or saved in a couple of different spots. So you're not going to lose that data. And that's why we, one of the main reasons we have the paper backup is... What if the RO goes and jumps in the lake or he drops in the porta potty or whatever and something goes wrong with the tablet? Uh, you're you're going to lose that data if it hasn't been uh, sunk. Is that the right word? Synced uh, up into that point. And the advantage of that system was it pushed data. You didn't have to pull data from it uh, like we do with the practice score. And I think that's getting better. Um, I guess my biggest pet peeve from a match director standpoint in dealing with range officers. And I've seen this more times than I can count, even when I tell them in our pre-briefing not to do it, uh, is they dedicate a person to transcribe the tablet onto paper. And that person is sitting there with the, t with the paper in their hand. And uh, when they hear the range master call off the time, 1238, they write down 1238 off of the audible from the, from the RO. And that defeats the purpose. The, it's supposed to be a backup of the tablet. You know, so I preach to them, you're transcribing this off the tablet. Because if he comes back and, and reads it off and it was uh, 1283 or 3812, you're probably not even going to listen to that because you already wrote the time down. And then now we've got discrepancies. And so if it's, even though we, you know, we call it a backup, it needs to be an accurate reading of what's on the tablet. And then also reading things out loud. It's much easier when you have a dedicated staff on that range, on that stage throughout a, throughout a major match. 
Uh, we see a lot of mistakes on staff day. Dan and I are always shooting on staff day, and we always joke that that's the worst. That's the worst day for everything, because you got a bunch of range officers working that think they know what they're doing, and everybody screws it up. Uh, so, and, and you don't have the repetition of seeing the same stage over and over and over and over and over. But the big advantage of writing that down, transcribing off the tablet, is you've been writing hit factors in the four, five, six range all day. All of a sudden, there's a 14 hit factor. That's probably a clue that something was keyed in wrong. You know, they got the time in, they missed a decimal, something happened that uh, that threw that off. So a lot of those things are smoothed out once the match rolls on and you have a dedicated uh, dedicated RO. But I think I think before too long, we'll have a, have a world where we don't have to have the damn paper anymore. I probably stole your thunder, but any thoughts on that? No, I, I, I kind of agree. And, and uh, I'm obviously more of a, uh, a user than I am a, a designer of, of that that software, and it, it, I'm not a stats guy. I'm more of a, a range guy. So, I think it would be a worth, worthwhile question for John Beach or Trent Sharon to say, "Hey, how many times has a paper backup actually saved the day?" And I know it has maybe some once been useful, but the level of effort we put into it. And remember, when we first started doing those the electronic scoring. People were strident about. I need three ROs per stage because I need one on the timer and one on the tablet and one to do paper backup. And I've always kind of thought, nah, I mean, I, I could see I could see three ROs on the stage and I could see dividing up the equipment that way, but paper backup's not a full-time job, nor is nor is uh, running the tablet. You're an RO on the stage, you're 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 looking for stuff that the uh, the CRO or the guy with the timer's not seeing. Um, if all you're doing is head down into either the tablet or the paper backup, you're, you're, you're not staying up on your job as one of the ROs on the stage. But I, I for sure could see a time when we don't need the paper backup anymore uh, based on everybody getting used to the system. And it's, it's, again, it's been this evolutionary thing where uh, I have, I've worked the Nationals here four years ago where... Uh, there was this, the CRO on the stage I was working was like, I'm never going to, I can't, I can't use the tablet. I can't see the tablet. I'm always going to use a paper backup. And that's what they're always going to use in the nationals. And pair that with, I've got one of my match directors at my home club that, that runs matches on a regular basis. And he's never worked a match using paper scoring. He's only ever used a tablet. And at the local matches, we don't use a paper backup. So when you talk to him about paper backup and paper scoring, He's like, hey, I'm a CRO that's been doing this stuff for six years, and I've never seen a paper score sheet. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, we've got other people on the other side that, that think that that's the way to go. So I think, yes, ideally, uh, get rid of the paper backup. And then the other thing is, there is so much more you can do with the electronic scoring. It's, I think we're, we're at the infancy or the very early stages of what you can get out of it. As a range master, that, that uh, Spanish system you're talking about, I could look on that and I could see how many people were left on each squad to shoot. Uh, the other thing that they had with that system was the big board where they were updating. So you could see in real time what was what was going on uh, on the on the TV screens as yeah, it was speeding to the big board. It was a badass system and they didn't pay off the right people at Ipsic to get the world shoot job. But, you know, that and, and practice score is awesome. I'm not busting on practice score. We use it 10 times a month. I love it. Uh, but their system was badass. And... Uh, they, I don't know if they're still in business, but they, they talked about the next evolution was going to be 
the tablet was the timer. So it was going to be one unit. And when the shooter gets done, bam, the time's already in there. It, you know, it, it, it records it off the audible itself. And then you just key in the results from there. So, and date myself a little bit, but you know, when I started shooting, you had the results mailed to you, not emailed to you, mailed to you. So you shot your local club match on Sunday. Uh, you might get the results the following Wednesday or Thursday or Friday after they tabulated it on paper with a calculator and, and sent them all out. Uh, or you waited till the next month and they had them printed out on the screen or on a, not a screen on paper and you looked at it that way. So hasn't been that long ago, a little bit. Sorry, forgot to mute my phone. Um, like anything else in the world, technology's taken over, so we're going to get there. Uh, anything else on that? No, no. All right, next one is a little touchy subject. I talk about ROs and quality of ROs and, and how it relates to shooting. Um, there's, it's not as much as when I started the game, I don't think, but there's the, there's this us versus them mentality that gets talked a lot about out there and ROs versus shooters. And I really don't, I really don't see that, uh, as bad as it's, as it's pretended to be. It was probably worse, worse before or a while back. Uh, what I do see though, and I've complained about for a while is the, um, the professional range officer. And I, I use that term loosely, but you know, that they don't shoot anymore. And that's been my biggest gripe. Like this is a, you know, it's a volunteer sport. We all theoretically anyway, uh, got into the sport because we like to shoot and eventually we wanted to make the sport better. So we help out and we, we set up stages and we run matches and we RO and we range master. Um, but we do it because we love to shoot. And I was going to say nobody, that might be a strong word, but pretty much nobody that I can think of right now works matches for me that doesn't shoot. Um, and that's all ability levels. I'm not saying you got to be a GM out there, but you got to be participating. Uh, and that's something I see at the, at the higher level matches. You know, there's a lot of, I've been shooting for a long time now, 20 years or more. Uh, I've shot a lot of national championships. I've seen the same range officers at a lot of national championships. And there's guys that I've never seen with a gun on in 20 years of shooting. And that's a fact. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest issue with our, with our air quote, senior, senior range officer staff. Uh, and you look at something like, like we have the nationals coming here this year, uh, all the nationals, uh, three separate matches. And uh, I, I talked about this in the, in the last couple of podcasts ago in terms of in the match administrative uh, issue. Uh, but it, it's a weird partnership in this, in this particular match because USPSA is in charge of some aspects. I'm in charge of some aspects and we share responsibility in some aspects. Uh, staff is not my responsibility and I'm, I'm happy for that. I don't, I don't organizing and getting all the staff together is a big job. Uh, and it's not fun to do, but so it wasn't my call, but you know, if it were my call, you know, I would have said, you have to shoot a match if you want to work a match. You can't, you can't come here and work all three. Uh, you need to get involved and, and go out and shoot. And again, I don't care how good you are. I just want you to be out there experiencing it, seeing both sides of the game like, like the rest of us do. So I'll, um, treading on a little bit of thin ice, but I'll let Dan put his thoughts in there. Yeah, now that you've, now that you've cracked that thin ice for me to stand on, um, <laughs> that's nice. Um, yeah, there, there, I think there was a great opportunity here for the, the the three nationals together to to do this thing that, that uh, we talked about back at the my home club of 
making it a requirement to work. If you're going to work any of the nationals, you got to shoot one of the three. We're doing three national matches back to back. And if we if we had said, or if, if uh, USPSC had said, hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna try to get back to what it is this self-officiating thing, and say if you wanna if you wanna work it, you got to shoot one of the three. Um, and by doing that, you you keep people you keep people actively shooting the sport. And as you said, not nobody nobody's expecting you to necessarily win, but uh, but you're still a shooter first and a and a staff member second. And I, I think that's it's worth avoiding that class distinction of the shooter class and the staff class. Right. And to be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying these guys are bad officials. I'm just saying that it, I think you should be involved in the volunteer sport that you're participating in, and especially a scenario like this. I mean, there's no real, why wouldn't you want to shoot a national championship when you come down here and work some? That's what, that's what bothers me. It's a perception probably more so than a reality. And, and, the, and the part, this is the part where I crack through the ice that you've, uh, okay. <clears throat> is the way that we're doing the nationals this year is, if you're match staff, you still have to pay your match fee. So we essentially uh, not only didn't didn't we take the opportunity to, to encourage people to work the nationals and shoot the nationals. Now we've incentivized people not to shoot the nationals, but to only work them. That is three weeks in Florida uh, being paid per diem and no shooting as opposed to three weeks in Florida or no, three matches in Florida, not three weeks, uh, ten, nine days uh, in Florida and not having to pay a match fee. So right now, all my local guys, my local people that, again, uh, would normally work the Florida-based national championship are like, really, if I'm going to work the nationals, I still got to pay. There's no there's no uh, uh, incentive for me to, to work it at all. So who's going to work it? It's going to be people that work matches professionally or not professionally, but exclusively as opposed to shooting matches. So most, most of my CROs from my home club are not working the nationals because why in their mind, why, why should they when evidently there's a staff of people that don't shoot that are going to come out and, and work the yeah. matches instead. I did bring that up to uh, Mike with USPSA and um, you know, he said financially they're covering expenses and it works out, you know, it works out better even if you're going to shoot one, which is probably true. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's put more thought to it than I have, so I think they're on a decent track there. But to me, it's not even more. It's not even about the money. It's more about get out there and do it. You know, get out there and be involved in the sport. And he did talk about doing a doing a package together for local people because they're in, <clears throat> in some cases not going to have the the hotel costs and they're not going to have the travel costs and, and some things like that. But uh, to me, it's more about it's more about doing it, more about getting involved and. And seeing that you're a guy, you're a guy that's out there. I mean, Mike shoots, Troy shoots, you shoot, I shoot. So, uh, and most of the staff here, all at the same level, right? Basically. Well, I mean, I'm better than all of you, but especially Mike in, in PCC specifically, I'm better than him. I'll make sure this gets back to him. And as a guy who runs a whole lot of matches here in Florida, and has a fantastic pool of staff to work from, uh, it's still in 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 lots of cases tough for me to staff a match to the level that I would like. Um, uh, you know, I, in some matches, I have plenty or more, but 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 that's rare. In most matches, we're running a little thin, or we could use a couple more here and there. So I'm not so I don't want to discourage the the staff that I got or the staff that's out there. Uh, but just get involved with the sport. You know, go out and shoot some and enjoy the game. Uh, all right, enough about that. We're going to close out with uh, let Dan talk a little bit. He has uh, he's with a 
uh, club here in Florida, the Wyoming Antelope Club, the WAC, we call it. And it's a super, super successful club. They have a bigger Tuesday night matches than, than many state championships out there. And he has a program there, you know, you know, New Shooter Clinic, or what do you call it? Uh, intro to Action Shooting. Intro to Action Shooting. So I'm going to let him talk a little bit about that. I mean, when I started the game in Washington State in the late 90s, uh, you had to attend a new shooter briefing, I think they called it. And it was just a couple hours, and it was not on match day. So you had to go out there on a separate day, and they ran you through a couple of really simple drills, draw, shoot, reload, shoot, uh, really just to see that you could handle a firearm safely before they allow you to participate. And I've, you know, I've never seen that anywhere else. I'm sure there's some other places in the country that do it. But he has a, uh, a great program that, that maybe he regrets because it draws tons of people and makes their Tuesday night matches run till midnight. But uh, I'll let him talk a little bit about that because it's a, it's a great program for getting folks in the sport. But yeah, it is, it is, it's funny. When, uh, when I started uh, at, at the WAC, the policy was uh, show up and shoot and then we'll tell you what you did wrong or We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll say stop, unload, and show clear, and then we'll tell you what you did wrong. Go home. Um, so a few years back, we we started this program, and, and and I think we talked about this last time I was here. And, and we, like all all of the matches throughout the country, you know, the the second Sunday of the month we run a USPSA match, and the fourth Sunday of the month we run a USPSA match, and the third Sunday Saturday of the month we run a a steel challenge match. But on the second Sunday of every month. We run this introduction class, and we run our shooters, our junior shooter clinic, and we run a little practice uh, session. The three things that uh, the three givebacks that we do. But the thing about the introduction class that that I think you're, you're touching on is, um, I think that when you're first getting into this sport, especially if you show up at a club where there's some good shooters there, aggressive, competitive, good shooters, or even if it's a place with crappy shooters that are still unpleasant to be around it's a little bit daunting the first time you show up where there's there's a bunch of folks running around with guns so by running this intro class we basically run through the rules uh have them work my holster talk about the safety stuff ad nauseum and then and then put them out on the uh the range and run through a couple of practice stages where they can they can be under the timer uh a little bit before the first time they have to do it and nobody that they're shooting with is is uh, is trying to win the match. It's a whole bunch of other FNGs like them. Uh, I like you said. I work at. I've got a great club that I'm a part of, where I've got a bunch of ROs that are willing to come out on that Saturday and help uh, run the new shooters, kind of coach them um, and help them get in. And it, I, one of the things I, I I say about it, people are like, how many of these people come back? And I think my answer is, I get more people come back from that than come back from showing up at a match that they've and then getting DQ'd from. Uh, nobody likes being yelled at, stop, don't do that, point your gun somewhere else, that kind of thing. Um, but even if... Crack, even, crack around into the safe area, <laughs> 0815. First right. shot fired. Um, <laughs> but to me, even if they come to the intro class and they never come back, that's time well spent because they came and said, yeah, this is not for me. And they did it not on match day. They didn't. They didn't do it in a way that interfered with the, the other shooters. And they, they got a good chance to look at it objectively and calmly and slowly. So I'm a big fan of this uh, intro class we do. And I'm, I'm sort of a, a loser in that I insist on trying to be there for that class as often as I can, even though 
I don't I don't match direct uh, most of the matches that happen at my club anymore. There's a, there's a there's so many good people there, uh, but uh, but I try to be there for the intro class in part because I want I want to get an eye on these guys, and the other part is I want to try to impart what I think the the, the sport is about. But I'm I'm a big fan of the intro class. I, again, I don't know who else is doing one, but uh, I think it's a great it's, idea. It's not required though to shoot there. No, we 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 encourage them to at least watch one before they shoot one. We don't require it. I've seen guys there from here. You know, what <laughs> students that I get that want to get into shooting and in the Tampa they spend area. several hundred dollars with Shannon Smith, and then he sends them to my free class. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, hey, dude, I appreciate you being here. I welcome back anytime. I'll gather some more questions together, and I'll hit you up at one of the fall matches as our busy schedule and always. If I'm still working as a range master after this uh, <laughs> this gets aired, but okay. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Be sure to hit me up on uh, Facebook and the and the Instagram and the website and the email and whatever else. You, know, you got any questions for me or Dan or anybody else on how to run matches, how to shoot gooder, and the uh, schedule is starting to chill out a little bit once we get the spring started. So I have some training dates available if you want to get together and work. And until then, I'll see you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands